Hello and welcome to the PHBC Pastors Podcast, where we seek to bring biblical and pastoral insight to everyday issues for the people of PHBC. I'm Brian. Do you have that memorized already, or do you have to just get here to read it off the page each time? I do read it, but not because I don't have it memorized, just because I don't want to mess it up. So I'll, I'll tell a real quick story, and then we'll get into the thing. So I'm in seminary in preaching class. And I'm preaching on 2 Timothy 4. So Paul's wrapping up his last letter. He's exhorting Timothy to preach the word, to be ready in season, out of season, and, and all that. And I had the passage mostly memorized. And so I, you know, crescendo the sermon with the good news of, of Jesus. And I want to end it by just quoting the passage. And I get about two way, two-thirds of the way through it. And my mind goes blank. And so I'm standing in front of, you know, 20 other seminary student pastor people. And I forget the rest. By the providence of God, my voice cracks. And then I look down at my paper, see the words, and then finish it. And so as everyone, so Brian knows this, they give you feedback on your sermons um, and, and tell you how you can improve. Everyone thought that I was getting emotional. And they're like, that was so powerful, how you finished the sermon, and then you, your voice cracked, and just you're, you were filled with the word. Except one. <laughs> one new. And so he said... Next time, make sure you have the passage memorized before you try to quote it. <laughs> so he, he called me out on it, and rightly so. But uh, So because of that fear, I do still read it. Um, Very good. <laughs> I'm Brian. <laughs> oh, my word, y'all. This is fun. Um, we're continuing our series on systematic theology this spring. If you were with us last week, uh, you heard uh, PB introduce us to this session, the series uh, on the Word of God. Uh, I encourage you to go check it out um, because we're going to be building on that foundation every week going forward. Because of the Word, we have an understanding of God, we know about Christ, and on and on we go. So so do uh, do want to encourage you to, to check that out. Um, but for today, we're, we're talking about God. Uh, this is theology proper, as the fancy people say. Why is it called theology proper, Pastor Brian? Because theology is the study of God, and so therefore this is theology proper. It's the proper study of God himself, not just things related to God, mm. but theology, the study of God himself. So this is theology proper. There you go. And so on that note, we'll, we'll kick us off broadly, Pastor Brian. Who is God? Well, first I'm going to start by oh. quoting something of my own. So from a man named A.W. Tozer. Um, in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy. This is a little bit longer, so uh, so I don't have it memorized, but this is one of my very favorite quotes about as we think about God. Um, he writes, he says, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion, and man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question for the church is always God himself, and the most portentous fact about any man is not what he is at a given time to say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. And he goes on, it's a much longer quote than that, and it's all good, but for the sake of time. Um, so what we think of God, as Tozer says there, it's the most important thing about us. And so how do we, um, Calvin and his institutes, which we're, some of us are reading this year, um, you know, 
basically says that it's written, and he's meditating, of course, there probably on Romans 1, mm. um, perhaps John 1 as well, uh, but he's saying that in every person's heart, it's engraved on our hearts that the idea that God exists. So even even somebody who's an agnostic or somebody even who is, considers themselves, I'm an atheist, um, even the word atheist, atheist is saying, no, God, you, have to, you have to be thinking about God in order to be an atheist, an atheist. Um, and so we all have this idea in our mind, and it's, and it's implanted, I believe, uh, because we're image bearers of God, uh, we're, that we think about God. And so what we think about God, what our conception of God is, is very, very important, because not all of our conceptions of God are equally true. Yeah. So we can't just say, well, you know, the Buddhist has his idea of what God is, and the Muslim has his idea of what God is, and the Hindu has his idea about what God is, and um, you know, the Jewish guy has his idea of what God is, and you know, I as a Christian, and we're all just going to make it our way up the mountain or a different path, and we're going to get there. We're all going to be surprised. Aha! We were all thinking about the same God. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds that's that's a nice fairy tale, uh, but that's not reality because because there are mutually exclusive claims within these different faith traditions. And so what the Muslim believes about God would be anathema mm-hmm. to a Christian and likewise. So yeah. somebody who's a devout Muslim does not think that the Christian God is the same thing as his conception of God. And nor should the Christian think that um, our idea of God is the same thing as the surrogate idea of God. And so we can't both be right. Mm-hmm. You know, and in, in, in if you were thinking about this strictly logically, we could both be wrong. Um, but since there, since since our ideas or our claims about who God is are mutually exclusive, we can't both be right. Um, and so, um, obviously, I'm a Christian, and so I believe that the Christian claim, the biblical claim of who God is, is the proper uh, claim. And so, what we think about who, what God is like, is very, very important. Yeah. No, that's that's a wonderful opening, and then again ties into the fact that we need to constantly tether our view of God to Scripture, because as Brian said, we are hardly the only ones who have views of God. Everyone has a view of God, but we are trying to best uh, align our view of God with the presentation Scripture gives of God. Uh, to me, at least, the the chief distinction of the Christian God is that we have an understanding of God as Trinity. Um, So, Pastor Brian, could you uh, just, you know, in about seven seconds unpack this very straightforward, simple, easily accessible doctrine? I sure can. Um, (laughs) So it's like a clover. No. (laughs) An egg. Exactly. It's like H2O. It can be in water or can be in solid form or can be in gas. No. Uh, uh, so the Trinity teaches that there is one God. Yep. Um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there, there is one God. But that one God exists simultaneously in three persons. So we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God the Father isn't the same as God the Son, and God the Father isn't the same as God the Holy Spirit, And God the Son isn't the same as God the Holy Spirit. So they're not the same people. They're different people, but they're one God. And so 
the Trinity is a mystery. Um, the early church spent a lot of time uh, wrestling with how to best come to grips and uh, how to understand uh, and to explain what the Trinity is. Uh, but it is, it is a mystery. Uh, but the biblical evidence is clear that the Father is referred to as God. Uh, the Son is referred to as God. He refers to himself even as God. Yeah. We, we might talk about that in a future podcast. We will. Um, and the Holy Spirit is God. Um, and, and the Holy Spirit is, is a person. The Holy Spirit is not referred to as an it. It's referred to as he, the Holy Spirit. So he's a person. And so we have these three persons who are God. Um, and But there's only one God. So we have the doctrine of the Trinity. The word Trinity, by the way, is, is if you've read your Bible, you know the word Trinity appears nowhere in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, but there are a lot of things that don't appear in the Bible. It doesn't mean that they're not true. Um, so the word Trinity was uh, coined by an early church father, uh, Tertullian, to describe uh, the belief, the understood, to describe the what the Bible was teaching. One God, three persons, um, eternally existent, all three of them, so none of them are created, and hence we have the Trinity. That's a fantastic summary. Uh, we could give a, a number of uh, kind of therefores, application points. Just give us one takeaway from the reality of God as Trinity. Why, why does that matter for us as Christians? Why is that something that's so significant? Certainly because the Bible teaches it, but can you just kind of put legs on that on the ground? How How ought that to impact us daily in our understanding, our view of God? So two, two quick things. Number one, um, when, we, when we come to the doctrine of creation, we, we understand, um, I, I had a dear church member once upon a time, not, not at PHBC, but at another church come uh, say something that God must have been lonely and that's why he created. Mm. Well, because we believe in the doctrine of Trinity, the eternal Trinity, we don't believe that God was ever lonely. He has existed for all time and eternity as Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so he's always existed in this perfect fellowship. And so when God created, um, he didn't create because, well, you know, I'm just feeling a little down on myself and I wish I had somebody to talk to. Um, he existed always perfectly. So why did he create? Well, he created out of love. Um, and so what relationship does that put us in with God? Well, we are his beloved. He, mm -hmm. he created us to have a relationship with him. Not because He didn't create us because he needed us, but he created us because he wanted us. And so, so just as you're every day, when you wake up in the morning, uh, you know that you are wanted. Mm -hmm. um, and that God wants you. Second thing I would is closely related to that in the doctrine of the Trinity would be um, as God exists forever in community, so too we are created to exist in community. Mm -hmm. uh, the very first thing we see, again back in creation, the very first thing we see that's not good is it's not good for man to be alone. And so God creates a helper for him. Um, and we have the first marriage. And so all throughout the scriptures from beginning to end we see the importance of the community, the believing community, to come around one another, and so and just so again, just how God exists um, by His very nature in community, uh, we too are created to exist in community by our very nature. That's phenomenal. Um, 
directly connected to who God is, is what God is like. So whereas we have our, our being and then kind of our essence, who, who we are, there's a bit of space there. Not so with God. God is what he is like, and then what he's like is who he is. Um, we want to talk about the attributes of God. So, Pastor Brian, I heard once upon a time these words incommunicable and communicable, and those have far too many syllables for me. So what are those about, and can you help us unpack those two categories? So the incommunicable attributes of God are those things which which we as his creatures do not possess. He hasn't communicated those to us. Uh, so when you communicate, you share something. Mm -hmm. And so he hasn't communicated those with us. So for example, God is omnipotent, meaning he's all powerful. Well, we are a far cry from being all, all powerful. Um, God is omnipresent. He is present everywhere. And so uh, he is, you know, we are not present everywhere. Um, and it's not just the omni-qualities of God, the, the incommunicable God. There, there are a number right. of uh, attributes of God that are incommunicable. The communicable attributes of God, however, are those which he has communicated, so those which we um, also have, not to the same degree that God has yep. them, but we have them. So God, for example, is love. That's one of his attributes. And so we are created with this ability to love. Now again, our love is not is is tainted by our sin. It's um, it's imperfect, and whereas God's love is perfect, but uh, one of the communicable attributes is love. And so, so there there are some some things about God that that we share. Um, there are other things about God that are um, that are different than us. That makes him other. Yeah. One way that I've read that I found helpful in thinking about this is that the incommunicable, so those that we do not share, are helpful in our understanding of what the communicable, what we do share, aspects of God are like. So, so when we say God is love, okay, well, what does that mean? Does that mean like he's like my love, but just times 10 or times 100? Well, there is that level of degree, but he is loving in this incommunicable, he is loving to the fullest extent. His love is, so we believe that God is simple and that he's not made up of lots of different parts and pieces and spread. No, his love is, is simple. It's not a compartmentalized love. It is just a comprehensive from who he is. God is, uh, so we say God is unchanging. You and I, we change all the time, but God is eternal, unchanging in his nature. And so his love is unchanging. There will never be one day when you will wake up and go, God doesn't love me anymore. No, because he is unchanging. And it's immutable. There's the fancy, there's the word. There it is. Um, so to allow those um, kind of distant attributes, those that we do not share, to help us understand how God is these ones that we do share, I find helpful just in terms of, of kind of thinking through that. Um, Pastor Brian, that's great. Uh, we're starting to run down on time. Anything else on the doctrine of God that you think would be helpful to, to share here and now? So in as much as we understand God, um, it in, it allows us to worship him yeah. more fully. Mm. And so, uh, so spend your time getting to know as much about God as possible. You, that is something you, you can spend the rest of your life there, um, but try to get to know God um, as much as you can. Now, because God, because we are finite and he is infinite, we will never know him completely. Mm. So even in eternity, that the good old hymn when we've been there 10,000 years, 
uh, you know, we've no less days to sing His praise than when we first begun. That's true. Um, and even at the end of 10,000 years, we're still not going to know Him completely. There's still going to be an infinite amount that we can know about God. Uh, but we can know Him truly. Mm. So even though we can't know Him completely, we can know Him truly. And the Scriptures um, are our primary vehicle uh, for that, to know Him truly. And so spend time in the Word, get to know Him. Um, it will be time well spent. There you go. So let me close with Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Brothers, sisters, we serve a holy God. We serve a good God. We serve a real God. So let's seek to serve him well in truth and in love. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's uh, PHPC Pastors Podcast. I had fun. Hopefully you did too. We'll be back next week with more in this Systematic Theology series. If you have questions or things that we've left untouched, by all means, reach out to us. Let us know, and we'll seek to serve you well in that regard. Thank you for your time. God bless.